0: Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling.
1: So in my first year of university, I was randomly selected to live in an all-male dorm. And coming uh, from an all-boys high school, sent by my parents, I felt persecuted. (laughs) Was I fated to never meet girls or have a dating life? And the only guys I see on campus who have a girl around, I said to my brother in my first dinner home while he was half listening, are the ones I see playing acoustic
2: guitars.
1: (laughs) My brother tensed at this like a squirrel, sensing the question that was coming. But I waited for dinner to end and my mother to bring out some kind of pie. And then, in the spot where I would normally ask my brother to pass me the ice cream, I said in an offhand way, hey man, would you teach me to play something? Yeah, of course, and his hand twisted over the French vanilla but it was too late. He'd been tricked fair and square. Yeah, of course. What song, he managed? Crash by Dave Matthews Band? (laughs) It's the only song I'd heard on campus. Okay, he said. For a kid who loved the blues back to Robert Johnson, who worshiped Thelonious Monk and Dave Brubeck, who was playing the hillbilly runs of Leo Kotke to go to bed at night, the Dave Matthews Band, especially their song Crash, A sappy song about a wannabe peeping Tom that sat, self-satisfied, on one chord, empty of harmonic or rhythmic curiosity, was a deep, deep insult to his instrument. (laughs) Halfway through the performance later that week, he reached out and muted the strings. Fuck, man. He'd recently taken up the habit of swearing in casual conversation. Like, look, I know what you're up to. And this shit only works for a third guitarist. Like in a band, I asked, and his nostrils flared. No, man, that's a fucking bassist. There's no third guitarist in a real band. This is like a process you go through. The first guitarist he went on would be me after a week, after I'd learned one or two songs. You'll bring your guitar to the first fucking party you can, he said. And just around the time people are getting comfortable, you'll play something. But. You won't have an ear yet, you'll have only hear what's in your head, and you'll run out of songs. And then you'll go al- home alone with your guitar. <laughs> and the next day the party, uh, people party, the party people will say, who is the weird guy playing terrible guitar alone in the corner? <laughs> he keep pushing, though, he said, more to himself than me. You'll be the second guitarist. Your guitar will stay in its case at a party, at first, until people are dancing, and then some hot chick will ask you to play your favorite song but you won't know it. You'll offer her something else and you'll move on to the kitchen. And you'll be so focused on playing, you won't notice when her boyfriend pulls her away. She'll take him outside and calm him down and they'll go home and you'll still be focused on getting the notes right. And the next day, the party people would murmur, who is the weird guy playing guitar alone in the dark kitchen corner? And they'll also say, it's the same guy, I don't know why I keep him fighting. <laughs> I should add, my brother was not generally wise with insight. I was the one the family listened to, moved less by the content of my opinions and more by the golden boy packaging bestowed on me by the fates. (laughs) The firstborn son to my parents, the first male born in all the extended family, the boy who grew taller by a foot than all the other generations. But as my brother spoke, he looked at me with the weight of a Moses. Either you'll quit, he said, or you'll keep playing the same songs over and over again in your room where no one can hear you, it's the same thing as quitting or you'll become the third guitarist. You'll develop your tastes. You'll play everything you can. And around 2 in the morning, when the party's burned down and there's eight people left and some other first guitarist pulls his guitar out and starts playing and runs out of songs, someone will ask if anyone else can play. And you'll say, sure. What do you want to hear? That's the guy that gets the girl. Back at school, I rented a steel string guitar from a local shop and felt compelled to practice, playing so loudly and so poorly a visiting girlfriend of a roommate, skipped her normal, polite knock, and just slammed through my door with a whispering hate, saying, I know you're trying to find yourself or whatever, but please stop doing it next to our room.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I brought that guitar to the first party I could. And girls were interested in a first guitarist, or at least I thought so. It was only for a few days, a week at most. Eventually, you left the party alone with your guitar. My brother and I would try to play music whenever I came home. But the golden boy Sheen robbed off under the pressure of his spontaneous melodies and rhythms, his deep knowledge of different styles. And like a glamour removed by true love, my part in the music soon shriveled up and died. I began to feel stuck. When I would walk to class through the student ghetto, a limbo of student rooming houses encircling the main campus, I would hear other first guitarists calling out from the unwatched porches with the same four chords, the same tired lyrics of infatuation. If you stood still for a moment, you could hear them speak their philosophies of spontaneity, overstudy, through clouds of marijuana smoke. They're always there, always available for a girl. I didn't want it like that. Instead I signed, I signed up to study with a guitar instructor in the music faculty a religious man who loved music from South America and Cuba. I learned notation and practice technique, and soon started to perform, first in living rooms, then local cafes, then bar mitzvahs, then weddings, and eventually dedicated concerts for a 100 or so people. I began to feel new confidence in music, and I asked my instructor if I had what it took to become a true professional. He suggested I go to a festival in Quebec to try to raise my profile. You're good, he would say but you're a big fish in a small pond. You've got to get out of here. God does not will talent lightly. I felt he might have been talking to himself more than me. So I went to a festival where the St. Lawrence meets the ocean and passed an audition for a master class, a make-or-break moment in the classical world where you see if you have what it takes to go pro. The guest was an internationally renowned Parisian guitarist who delicately smoked a cigarette beside me on stage as I performed for an audience of 50 or so professional musicians from all over the world. I hit my last note, the crowd clapped politely, except the master Parisian guitarist, who said nothing. He said nothing, and he did not move, except occasionally to bring the cigarette to his lips and tap it out on the new pine of the stage. I don't know how long he sat that way, silent, unmoving, smoking, maybe five minutes, maybe an hour. It was long enough for the crowd to grow restless. Throats cleared small birds of laughter as I nervously sweated through the back of my shirt and searched the St. Lawrence for untroubled whales. Mm -hmm. Finally, the master Parisian guitarist took a long drag. Mm. I know what you are attempting to do, (laughs) but I want to tell you it will not work. You are too boring. The crowd laughed nervously, (laughs) but the master Parisian guitarist brought his hand down like a guillotine. Chut, I am not making a joke. I am sorry to be severe, but I have been all over the world with this festival, and I have heard the same thing too many times. A student who has good hands can play all the note perfect, but feels nothing. This music is about two people from different tribes falling in love and being ripped apart for it. This melody here, right here, it is them falling in such love. They are happy to risk death. And I don't feel it when you play. Do you feel it? <laughs> I just felt very hard. <laughs> the rhythm a Cubano. Danson, salsa, bolero. Have you ever danced them? You are, what, mid-twenties? You have never been to Cuba? Miami? I wanted to say I've been to Disney World. <laughs> you need to go out and live to play this music. So, I am sorry, you are boring like so many others. He made me stay on stage a while after that. <laughs> he gave me some tips about scales and vibrato. I don't remember them. When it was finally over, I walked stone-faced down the aisle to the exit under the silent gaze of the audience. When the girl I'd been spending time with at the festival found me outside the concert all hiccuping and wiping my cheeks, I could no longer keep my composure. I cursed and complained and hurled insults, but the truth was I no longer wanted to be the center of attention, the man on the stage. I was done. I became an agent for some musicians I knew at the university. There was a quartet that was making a name for themselves abroad, a prodigy called the Jukebox who knew the entire modern guitar repertoire, an opera singer who sang in four languages. I traveled, I listened, I enjoyed my silence. Finally, the fates conspired to send my brother and I back to live at our parents' home at the same time. There was still pie and ice cream, but not much to say. We were both regrouping and deciding on next moves. Music became a way for me to pass the time at first, but as I played more and more, I could also hear what the other mu- musicians I'd spent time with would do with the same piece, the same melodies and rhythms. Soon I began to develop my own ideas, my own small innovations. This time I played when I played, unlike with the Parisian guitarist, when the lovers fell in love, I could feel it. The melody moved slower when it needed to, faster when it wanted to. It seemed self-contained, satisfied. Then one day I heard a melody in the hallway while I was playing. I thought my brother might be trying to drown me out, so I played louder. He matched me. But when I played softer, he also changed his dynamic. When I slowed down, he followed. When I added an unexpected key change, he added a surprised, amused lick. There was no awkwardness, no latency between the two of us. I felt then that my brother had tricked the fates with his story. There was no girl, no golden boy Sheen, no god that willed talent, just my brother who out of nothing had fashioned a third guitarist? Thank you.
2: That's, uh, that's what we're talking about. We are talking about uh, the name, Paul uh, well, Sandler
0: specifically, John Sandler,
2: perhaps, uh, who told that story we just heard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a great story. It's his first story,
2: exactly. Well, first story with us, actually, maybe first story told in Sage. It seemed as if uh, he he will listen to this podcast and let us know. But I believe that this was sort of a, a new avenue for uh, for him as a as a writer.
0: Yeah, because I understand he is like he obviously uh, has a, a experience performing with music and, and as and the so story on. that <laughs> you just heard, literally had a
2: whole bit about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's done that part. Yeah,
0: um, but uh, so it was great. So what are we what are we what are we talking about today?
2: Well, so the, so we're we're sort of doing a bit of a reflection uh, on, on uh, after with, with episode one hundred and one, which is what we're listening to right now, uh, and we're talking about actually how how once you know once you've been doing this for a number of years, somehow you get these sort of the, the community that builds up and the ways people sort of end up uh, coming to the tell a story. It's almost it, it ends up being um, a very fun bit of the whole the whole experience.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. and, and it's, uh, it, it's not only, like, starting from the, from the beginning, like, say, from our experience. <clears throat> for me, it's always, it's such, it's been such an exciting thing because you just meet so many cool people. Yeah. Like, both uh, the people that come to want to tell a story, you've kind of created this environment where people that are strangers, and I always have to say that I, I, I have such a respect and appreciation because for the people that come, both the storytellers and the audience, because we, uh, you know, we do workshops.
2: We put it, a lot of barriers in front of people. We, like we, we, you we really have to do. jump through like 18 hoops to end up at, uh, at telling an event or at our event. Yeah. It, it, it's not like it's easy.
0: So, yeah, and I, I the workshops we do, we do them in like my place and your place. So that's the first barrier. We're asking performers to be like, hey, come to our house. You're a total stranger. We're stra- You're straight. We're strangers to you. But let's like just come and hang out. Yeah,
2: our invitation literally has a buzzer code for, and an apartment number. Yeah, like that's like that's a level a level of barrier of, from the get go.
0: Yeah, and then and then I always because I'm, I'm the kind of person that I I have no problem. I really like going to see movies or going out and I can you know whatever by myself, but. Uh, the events themselves are also in people's homes. Right. That sometimes uh, they're a stranger to me, bef- like they're a stranger to me until we do the event. Yeah. But then, you know, we always get people that come in on their own or just like are, are also themselves strangers. And it's like, Hey, I, I, I respect that. You're here to hang out and have a good time.
2: Well, yeah, and I, I, I like to think that 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 process uh, you know breaks down breaks down some of the traditional barriers in 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 between people. You know, the idea that uh, that our that our personal homes can't be places for new people to be coming into or or anything like that. Um, and and we've been continually proven right. Uh, if there's anything that this this podcast episode should in my opinion reveal is is how incredible the community continues to be. You know, like how incredibly lucky we are, uh, with the number of people who keep showing up and keep being absolutely lovely.
0: Well, yes. And, and case in point, uh, a a few weeks ago from this, uh, recording, we were doing a workshop here also in my place, which we're going to call it the studio. It's not my like apartment or anything. No, you're definitely not
2: beside your red couch, uh, you know, sitting near your fridge and everything else. That's not, not the case at all. No,
0: um, but we were sitting here, and the two of us, uh, we were like, is anybody coming uh, to the workshop today? <laughs> yeah. And we were sort of like, well, I don't, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. There was a knock at the door, and I opened the door, and I. it is funny now because we've gotten to know um, uh, John and... Um, and Georgette. And Georgette, and uh, we. there was a bit of a moment because we just didn't expect them. We didn't know they were coming, so I just opened the door, and there. I think on both sides there was a bit like a second of... Are you are you in the right place? Are we in the right place?
2: <laughs> yeah. Are we all doing the are, right thing? Are
0: we all doing the same thing here? Is this what's going on? And uh, you know, I just said you're here for the workshop, and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Okay, come on in." you're yeah. Okay, let's do this.
2: Yeah. And then and then three weeks later, uh, you know, John performed a story in front of about a hundred people.
0: I what what do you what do you think about like it, it wasn't I don't like I don't know how to say it wasn't our intention to kind of. Build out this 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 sort of thing to like we were just coming at it like we wanted to do an event we wanted yeah. to we were interested in stories and we were interested in um, you know uh, sharing those stories and inviting other people to share those stories and inviting other people to hear those stories. It how where is there a a place or or a thing where where you feel because this is also your part of your job your professional <laughs> day job is that. Like, is there a switch somewhere? Like, where does it? Where do you call something like this a community? Right. Like, we instead of just an event or something that happens every month.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think, I think we should be pretty liberal uh, in the use of community. Um, and I yeah, think, yeah,
0: and it's a, it's a weird question because yeah. it's like, it's not. What does that mean?
2: Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a level of of camaraderie created and you know i I think the the fact that we bring the fact that people show up to people's houses and and, and then you know meet each other through these paces and then and then slowly but surely you know I, I think it's interesting to forget to to remember how many people we've met through this you know and how many people that we have who now are you know regular parts of our lives that that the answer was they have how on earth did this person come into your life was this event mm-hmm Um, And I think that's that's I think the thing that sort of begins to make it really feel like at least some version of community Um, And and that people keep coming back even if it's a year later or two years later as this was was, yeah um, That that even if you only come to a couple a year you still sort of know what's going on You know, you might recognize a person or two Uh, uh, and then and then you can carry
0: forward you know, I think what defines a community when it switches into like an actual kind of community that Mm -hmm. has come together is when Two people, uh, who met at the um, at this particular like this event or yeah. whatever it is, and get married.
2: Marriage? You think if they do marriage, if, that's if, that is that's a bold like I don't think anyone's cause we have,
0: I, we're I, responsible for no, no marriage because no no no. But I'm saying that you know I've heard that with other things where they're just like uh, you know it could be uh, you know like camps or, or things that like right. people go and do and it they'll they'll say oh and these two people met here and now they're married and i'm like does that mean that means that this is a legitimate thing all of a sudden just because this right. this kind of union happens I, you know? I, no i like <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm, kidding
2: yeah I, I don't know you're paul <laughs> marriage door that's what i'm going right. to call you now yeah no i don't <laughs> think
0: so uh, you know but the other cuz the other thing i i, I think that's important uh, to us is that that in in a, in a I, like again, this wasn't necessarily intentional, but it, it I think through practice it kind of grew over time. It's become very important to me, and it's uh, I think you know become important to you as well. Is is the the reason for like say the workshops and and things like that is to you know be able to have a a space where people can work on their stories, but also. We've talked about this a lot of uh say, parachuting into uh, an event where mm. somebody says, "Hey, somebody pulled out of my event tonight. Can you come and fill in?" And you kind of just feel like you're filling a space for yeah, for this thing yeah. and and I think part of it, the the community aspect is the is for the story. I always hope that the storytellers go away with a good feeling of like, you know, they get to the event and they, they they perform and then perhaps afterwards people talk to them about their stories and share their own stories to them because they're, they're inspired by them. And they kind of walk away like they felt like they were a part of it in some way. Mm-hmm. And likewise, on the other side with the audience, say, again, it was sort of a, 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 just a decision. Let's just do the event in your apartment, the first one. But then that's just become important for the audience to be able to come in and that they kind of feel a little bit more like they're not just, again, I like going to see events at bars and so on. I'm not trying to slag on that. I'm just saying that it, for us, it kind of helps the audience feel like they're a part of the, the event as well.
2: Well, I think it makes, it makes it a lot easier to talk to your neighbor. Um, which is yeah. the part that I think that really
0: matters. Um, and so, yeah, like I think... And, and maybe get married someday.
2: Maybe get married someday. We'll, well, we will, we will, we will, you know, maybe we'll, if we, anyone ever gets married uh, that because they met the person at one of these events, I think we have to do a podcast just interviewing the two people who got married. That's the that's my commitment uh, to anyone.
0: All right. You heard it here first.
2: Yeah. And if you want... Paul to uh, to to marry you officiate uh, officiate. That's I think you can friend. do that
0: online now. You oh can, yeah, like just definitely. get a little certificate or something.
2: Yeah, I think I think Paul will officiate um, and and I will bear your ring. I'll I'll be the ring bearer. Can I be the ring bearer? Is that a thing? They usually choose someone else, I guess. But they would probably not choose you to officiate. Sure. But, anyways, I'm getting off topic.
0: <laughs> I think let's wrap this up.
2: Okay, let's wrap it up. But I want to wrap it up with a with actual point uh, because I feel like we've we've had a little bit of fun um, running around here. I don't entirely know why people listen to this podcast. It is an <laughs> is an opening I will
0: make on this thought. I, I can't wait to hear where this is going. Right.
2: Well, because like we do a lot of different things. Like every once in, you know, every little bit we, we bring on a new a new bit. Um, you know, we you know have a five and five which we made up at some point or or we the you know, last the last set of episodes previous to the one hundredth was, you know, trying to try a new thing. It was more writing based. And then the earlier podcasts were a lot of us sort of, you know, discussing different topics and, and larger things. And and so there's, I think there's probably a lot of people who maybe tune in for all the different reasons or maybe just hear the stories and then just listen to us because they forgot to turn us off, which I think is totally fair.
0: Well, well maybe we can ask people yeah. to tell us why they listen, well, I, I think what they like about it.
2: Yeah. Why do you listen? If, if you've gotten this far on this podcast, I'm curious, truly honest, why you listen to this podcast.
0: And how do we how do they do that? Tweet at us?
2: Yeah. Tweet at us. That's great. Yeah. I'm at Steho underscore, uh, at S-T-E-H-O underscore.
0: And I'm at Jeffrey Paldor with yeah. a J.
2: With a J, yes, exactly. Um, and and so tweet us because and why I say that is because I think that like community is obviously uh, one of the the more important things I think that that in life, and and I think that having fun in these podcasts is a part of that. Uh, and I and I think maybe the purpose, uh, the larger purpose of these podcasts, has just been to really expand the community who's able to be participate within within this context, and and we've never yet found a way I think to communicate with the podcast listeners in a way that sort of makes them feel like a community, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe it's because all of them just come to our shows and that's actually how they engage, uh, but I I do think that there's a that there's a that there's that this community building aspect is is is, is central. To the storytelling that we do, you know, I don't think that you know. I think a storytelling event is is obviously primar- primacy, but the community building is 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 real close, um, and 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 deeply important. I am consistently stoked uh, to be a part of this community that sort of has has come up, um, and and I'm always interested in, in knowing in why what about it brings people in. Yeah, uh, and and people keep coming, and it's an honor that they do. Yeah, uh, and it's just, and then occasionally you get these, whole, these these truly great stories, um, both in the story that Jonathan told, but also how he got there. You know, both parts of that make me so happy. <laughs> um, and and so I, I I'm just intrigued by the sort of the, the the whole bit. That's all I got.
0: Hey, that's that's great. That's a, that's that's a lot. Tweet at us. Yeah, and uh, we're going to sign off. Subscribe to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about the podcast, blog, and live events, find us on Facebook or visit tell.org. Thanks so much, everyone.
2: This has been uh, Steven Hostinger. We didn't introduce ourselves, um,
0: but we hope that you know who we are. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay anonymous on this one. <sighs>